Good morning. Thank you, Lyle, for the songs that we sang. Uh, the theme that you had goes along with my message this morning somewhat. I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I think it was Friday morning. Friday we had such a beautiful day. Was that the day that it went up to 73 degrees? And we were harvesting, and it was just wonderful. And then uh, my brother sent me a picture. It said, this popped up on my phone. Probably Google Pics popped up, and it said, uh, three years ago today, and it showed the ground was white with snow. And we thought, oh, wow, that's so far from us. And you know how it was yesterday. It was pretty nasty. Uh, windy and started snowing. And then this morning, this beautiful snow. I guess you call it beautiful if you're not a farmer and you still have crops in the field. But we're, we were blessed. Uh, I think in our prayer this morning, uh, Brother Ken mentioned in the pastor study that though the scriptures talks about our sins. Though our sins, the Bible says, though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. And so I think of that when I see the earth covered with snow. They, I think of the, the whiteness that comes from giving our lives to Jesus. Romans 8, I, I think we're hard-pressed to find a scripture that gives us such hope and blessing, and just amazing and astonishing promises that God gives us. The Old Testament, we see the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt, and we could spend a lot of time saying that story, but I'm just referencing the fact that Moses was called of God to to deliver, to be the one to go and to call them out. And we see their journey from leaving Egypt, an amazing thing that God did there. We see them facing the Red Sea and passing through the Red Sea. And then we see them journeying in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering, it says, in the wilderness. And that likeness... Uh, we see in the New Testament in the walk or the journey of us as God's children. In fact, it refers to that. We've also, if we're Christians today, we have been called out of bondage. We've been called from our sins. We have repented. And it even gives the likeness of going through the Red Sea as a baptism. And then... What do we mean when we talk about, how does that compare the wanderings in the wilderness? You know, they were looking for the promised land. And I believe the, the type or the shadow here of us as Christians today wandering in the promised land is we are not quite arrived yet. We have been born again. We have been saved. But we have not yet been resurrected. 
So friends, that is something that we look forward to. And especially as we face the issues, the troubles of life, a while back a young mother, uh, recently a young mother told me that life is just one hard thing after another. It seems like God is absent. He doesn't notice. I, I'm not saying this verbatim, but he, it, she said he doesn't really notice what's happening. It doesn't seem to notice what's happening in our life. <clears throat> and what we're facing. And I'm not sure how it is with you, but I think of Alan's family this morning. And I think of uh, what they're facing. The children, think of them. They've also said, well, where is God? And we, it's already ready in reference to what uh, Josh's are facing as well and the death, the almost certain death of his mother coming on. Those of us that have faced those kinds of things, we know what that journey is like. And I think of uh, others that have expressed hard times. So we're going to just look at Romans 8. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to just reference some things here are some promises we find in chapter 8. Before we start on that, why don't we bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we come together to worship you this morning. We desire for your presence to be here with us, to give us, to give us as vessels in your hand, words to speak. And we pray for the audience that's listening this morning that the word that is spoken could bring assurance, could bring hope. We read in Romans 8 of the hope. Hope is, no, is not hope if, if once we arrive, but if it's hope as we look forward to the day when our bodies, <clears throat> when we truly enter the promised land, when our bodies are resurrected, this morning, our hope is in Jesus. So bless our time together this morning. The, we think of Alan's, and Alan on his, on, in bed, and Branda. And we pray for Stacy and for Eric, for Jenna. You know their needs today. Would you meet them? We pray for Josh's family. We think of... Paul, and seeing his dear wife suffer. Is this what life is all about? Help us to, to gain an insight and understanding this morning. That we have a hope in Jesus. It's not yet fulfilled. That's why we call it hope. Once, sight, once we see, then it's no longer necessary to have hope. It will be fulfilled. And we look forward to that day 
We think, too, of Roy and, and some of his issues, too, medical issues. Pray a blessing on him and Elsie this morning. Others that may not be here, be with them today. Be with those that are meeting in Elkhart at Cornerstone this morning. Bless our brother as he preaches, um, Brother Lloyd. We think of, <clears throat> of uh, Kendall. He's preaching in a church in Ohio this weekend. Bless him this morning. We think of Vanson in Washington preaching this morning. Bless him as well. Be with your children wherever they are, wherever they're gathered. We think of the people in Ukraine, the Christians that are meeting this morning. Meet their needs as well. The people in Belize that are meeting in Nicaragua. Lord, wherever your people are, you would be in their midst and their presence. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are at Romans 8, let's just look at some of the promises that we see here in chapter 8, and I'm I'm not actually even hitting all of them, but in a world of evil and death, all things nonetheless are working for our good. And that's probably the focus of our message this morning, but I'm just going to mention that now. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And sometimes, you know, when I face uh, this young mother, what would you say to her to give her encouragement? I really didn't know what to say, except to say that I feel for her. I want to. We sometimes can give pat, glib answers Uh, to struggle that people face. So, we also see here that the resurrection is coming, not only for Christians, but for the, as I understand, for the entire cosmos. There is a resurrection coming. Look at verses 22 and 23. It says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, talking about us as Christians, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now we have been redeemed, but as I said, not final redemption is yet coming. For we are saved by hope, verse 24. But hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And then we see, we have the promise in verse 31 and verse 32, where it says, that every good thing we will ever need is personally guaranteed by God. Since God has already give, done a, He's already done the hard thing. He's given up His Son for us. Let's look at verse, those two verses, verse 31 and 32. It says, What shall we say then, say to these things, If God be for us, who can be against us? This is to us. As believers, 
He that spared not his own son. He's talking about God. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The hard part God did already. This is the easy part, giving us all good things. Brothers, I take hope and courage in that. And then uh, in verse uh, 34, we see that, let's just read it. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, what more encouragement? can that be than to read these verses? In the face of our ongoing struggles, Jesus, our righteous high priest, intercedes for us before the throne of God. That is a precious, astonishing promise that we have. And so then also in verse 37, let's look at that. It says this. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In the face of overwhelming suffering of this present life, it says that we are more than conquerors. Do you believe that this morning? Sometimes it, we don't really feel it. I get it. That's when we need to go to scriptures like this. I, I, I can't think of another scripture in the New Testament that is so full of promise and hope as we, so to speak, wander in this wilderness. And so therefore, the last two verses, uh, there's three verses I'd like to read yet. Therefore, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? or nakedness, or peril, (coughs) or sword. Now there's some people here from Ukraine this morning that faced war, sword. Who, what can separate us from? Go now to verse 38, says, For I am persuaded that neither death, and, and we're facing death, some here are facing death, We're facing it in our our loved ones. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what is not mentioned here that we could say, well, that would probably separate us from the love of God? Does it cover it all? And I thought of this verse in times past as well, these verses that assure us that nothing, but it it, it doesn't mention the fact that we can turn our backs on God. That's the only thing that I know that can separate us from God. If we decide we're no longer going to serve Him and we turn from following Christ, then we go another way. So, regardless how you feel this morning about life, about the, maybe life seems unfair, maybe you're facing some things that just do not make sense. Nothing. If we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Okay, I'd, I'd more particularly now like to focus on three verses here and uh, and that's verses 26, 27. Actually, those two verses, I already read uh, verse 28. Verse 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession, intercession for us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, now this is following those two verses, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them which are the called according to His purpose. Often, we look at verse 28 as a stand-alone verse. But that's not the picture, quite, friends. The first two verses that I read here, verses 26 and 27, (coughs) need to go along with that to give us a proper understanding. And I'm here... um, trying to grasp, I guess, what these verses mean. In spite of the redemption that we have already received in Christ, we often find ourselves unsure of where we are going and what God's will is. And there's often been, and in, in my past as a youth or whatever, I said, if I could just speak to Jesus and understand what His will is. What is the will of God for me? What does God intend for me to do in my life? If I would just know, I could pursue that. Who should I, maybe a young man was thinking, well, who does God have? Who should I marry? Or where should I live? Or what should be my work? So we spend quite a bit of time agonizing, perhaps, on what is the will of God. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a wrong focus. 
it says the, the Spirit intercedes here in verse 26 for us to ensure that we reach our final destination, to, to reach that resurrection. This is what he's saying will happen. Instead of the focus being on verse 28, perhaps where he's saying that all things work together for good, that is what's going to happen. The good isn't so much an isolated, we look at these isolated cases of what good can come out of Alan's sickness? What good can happen? And we say, well, all things work together for good, so there's good that can come out of this. I believe the focus is more on, okay, what, what is the Holy Spirit going to, how does He help us in reaching the promised land? In this wandering, in this wilderness, do we understand what's going on? Sometimes we get confused. So we see that here in verses 26 and verse 27 is that the Christian can be assured of God's guidance, his protective guidance, in spite of often being unaware of where they should be going. God delivered Israel from bondage to slavery in Egypt and he led them through the barren wilderness and eventually brought them to the promised land. And so we also, for, we, are, we were slaves to sin as well. And we have been freed from the captivity of sin. But we have not been ultimately yet delivered. That's where we find ourselves today. That's why life can be somewhat confusing. That's why we don't know sometimes what is the way. They wondered. There was a pillar of fire. There was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And this represents to us today, this is, we have the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's talking about in these verses. We have that. We haven't yet reached the promised land. And we find ourselves, and it mentions this in Exodus 2, 23 to to 24, it mentions the groanings of the children of Israel. And here we have that word groan as well. Just as Israel once did, we find ourselves longing for the full deliverance or the full liberation that God has promised. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found they were tempted to return to Egypt. Have you ever been tempted to that? What's the use? We might as well go back. But we are here encouraged to look forward to the inheritance to come. And so, just as God led His people through the wilderness when they often found themselves not knowing the way. They, they, were, they murmured often. They complained because they didn't know the way. So too, the, the pillar of fire, the cloud, today, the Spirit leads God's children. 
So I believe perhaps we could say this is the essential meaning of verses 26 and 27. Having experienced being liberated from sin and death through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, we can take comfort that the Spirit will faithfully guide us through the wilderness until we reach the promised land, till we are resurrected. Even though often we do not know which way we should go or the way that we are going or we're confused about life. So several things here. Let's, first of all, let's look at who Paul has in mind at the beginning of verse 27 where he says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Well, most readers would say, well, he, who is he that searcheth the hearts? And we would say, well, God is the one that searches the hearts. But just one commentator, I liked what he said, uh, how, uh, when it says, it starts this, this phrase in verse 26, it likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Then it references he who searches the heart as saying, okay, look at verse 26, who are we just talking about? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're saying the Holy Spirit then would reveal to the Holy Spirit, um, I I, I like the thought that this is talking perhaps about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that searcheth the hearts. Scripture is clear in other places as well that the Holy Spirit searches the heart. He knows where we're at. He discerns where we're at. And so as the Holy Spirit searches the heart, and we could reference earlier Scripture here in chapter 8, where he talks about us walking in the Spirit. So, the word searches is only used one other time by Paul in his letters, and that's in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. It says, And there the one who is searching is the Spirit, and not the Father. And so, what does He, the Spirit, know in Romans 8.27? Well, He knows the mind of the Spirit. And what, what does this mean? Uh, the Greek phrase that Paul uses here is used also in verses 5 and 6 earlier in the chapter. Paul writes that those who, are li who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. So, I think we could look at verse 27 and say it's, it's, it's saying this, or it's saying something like this, the spirit who searches hearts knows, or maybe the better word would be he recognizes, those whose attitudes are bent in faith toward dependence upon the spirit, not to the selfish desires of the flesh. 
So who knows that better than the Spirit of God? He knows the bent of our hearts. He knows whether we are walking after the Spirit or after the flesh, as he talks about earlier in this chapter. We, in this wandering phase of our life, in this phase between being redeemed and then final resurrection, oftentimes we don't know what the way of the Lord is. We don't know where we're going. We're, all, we're still weak. And so the Spirit is interceding for us before God the Father. And it says He groaned, with groans that cannot be heard. I don't know what this word exactly means, except the meaning here is to without speech. That's the, the groaning of the Holy Spirit. So, how does this work? I believe in verse 27, though we do not know where we are going or what we should pray for, the Spirit is searching our hearts to discern if we are devoted to the Lord in righteousness or to ourselves in or serving ourselves in sin. So rather than the, the, the focus, I think, should be in serving God faithfully in our lives, then the Spirit will discern. And He's there that He will do the work for us and praying for us. He knows what our needs are. If the Spirit discovers in His searching work that we are among those who walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh, then He proceeds to intercede for us before the Father. It says, according to the will of God. God honors those who honor Him. He pours out grace on, on our faith. And this is the great comfort to wandering Christians. For though we, don't, we often don't know the way, the Spirit intercedes for us before the Father according to the will of God. We can walk according to the Spirit of God in our wilderness journey, even though we really don't understand and know the way. And so, the third thing I see here is... Uh, and then in verse 28, the promise. And this, I think this provides the answer to a third question. Why do all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose? I don't think uh, we should just look at this verse as a standalone verse. And Paul didn't arrive at this conclusion that all things work together for good, just willy-nilly, we could say. There's a reason. For him, the reason all things work for the good of the Christians is obvious. And it's because of what he says in verses 26 and 27. The result of the Spirit's intercession in leading the weak, wandering people of God 
is that he will never be severed from God's leading hand. That's the assurance that we can have in our wanderings. If we have put our trust and faith in God, we will still find ourselves and always will on this side of the resurrection, the final resurrection. We will come, we will be at a place that sometimes we don't know even how to pray. But I see, I see the promise here in Romans 8, verses 26 to 28, is that if we follow Jesus wholeheartedly and walk according to the Spirit, we will never be lost or abandoned. Even though we don't know where we're going, in verse 26, but the Spirit knows if our hearts are inclined toward God in the midst of our wandering or our weakness. The Spirit knows. The one thing we do know is that all things are working for our good. For the Father unfailingly responds to the Spirit's intercession when it is according to the will of God. We will reach, friends, we will reach the promised land if we follow the crucified and risen Jesus. No matter how forsaken we may feel along the way. Let's not give up. Let's keep our hope in Jesus. When the Spirit perceives that we are following Jesus in faith, He intercedes with groanings before the Father, who is prompted to powerfully turn our confusing paths toward Him for our everlasting good. I liked the scripture. In fact, I memorized this as a young man. And it's found in 2 Chronicles 16.9, and it pretty well summarizes, I think, what Paul is saying here. It says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. I think that God's will is above all else that we follow Jesus by taking up His cross and following Him daily. We don't have to be worried about are we, what is God's purpose for us? And it's It would be great to know God's purpose for us. Maybe you do. Maybe you have determined, well, this is God, like the Apostle Paul. He said, I have finished the course that God set out for me. Do you know that course for your life? It would be nice to know. But I think the more important thing is that we live faithfully. And we can look back and say that that was a life of faithful service to Jesus. When we respond, we follow the Holy Spirit, and we day by day, regardless whether we know that big picture of what our life is, that we follow faithfully day by day. And we can get to the end, and we can look back and say, well, God led us. My life reflected Jesus. People can look at that life and say, that was truly the way that God wanted him to go. I thought of the scripture, too, where it says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me. That way, friends, I believe, is living a day-by-day life dedicated to Jesus Christ. I trust this morning that we have been encouraged to follow Jesus and to understand that all things are going to ultimately be work out for our good. Meaning that someday, if we're faithful and we follow him faithfully and don't turn away, nothing can stop us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we will ultimately then, the Holy Spirit gives that assurance. If we're faithful, he knows our hearts, he knows the bent of our hearts, and he will give us, he will intercede on our behalf to the Father, to saying, look, this person is, is following the Holy Spirit. This person has dedicated his heart and life to you. His life is confusing to him. I've been in points in life where I wonder, well, what's, what's this all about? What's the use? Just nothing seems to be going right. I remember a brother years ago telling me that life this summer has just been one long big trial. Have you ever been there? You ever faced that? Be faithful. There is a hope. When we are, have our resurrected bodies, that is the final, I guess you could say the final, the hope will be realized and we'll have eternal glory. We will experience glory with our, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the assurance of Scripture where he talks about the Holy Spirit knowing, knowing those that are faithfully following you in spite of what life throws our way, in spite of the difficulties that we have. We can rest in you. We have the promise that you then, the Holy Spirit, will bring to your attention. It says with groanings that cannot be uttered, that are unspeakable, he will bring to the Father's attention. And the Father will respond. And we can be assured that we can someday face Jesus and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.